You're listening to the Channel Mastery Podcast, where business leaders in outdoor recreation learn what's working today to reach, engage, and convert their target audiences on the channels they prefer. My name is Kristen Carpenter, and I'm your host and the founder of Verity Brand Communications, the presenting sponsor of Channel Mastery. Tune in every week here on Channel Mastery to learn how to earn your consumer's attention and how to build the all-important emotional connection to your specialty brand. Thanks for listening and subscribe today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast, and I have such a fun guest to share with you today. Welcome to the show, Jeremiah Bishop, who is an athlete ambassador and also a co-founder of a fantastic content series that I love, The Impossible Route. We're going to talk all about that today. Welcome to the show. It's so awesome to have you here. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a great conversation today. and We're right here at the beginning of December 2022. A lot of the people in the audience are building their budgets and plans for the coming year. And you're you wear, you're like a perfect person to tap into for insights and expertise in terms of what is it like out there. I feel like what you're doing is like documentary filmmaking for cycling and endurance, but you also are an athlete ambassador for Canyon. Love that brand. And you you do a lot of other things. You're a coach. So I thought we could start by doing an introduction and then go into kind of like the the way that you see your career going in 2023, because we're in such an accelerated period of change still, but you're creating a lot of traction and growth through that change. And so I thought you'd be a great person to talk with today. So tell us about yourself. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm kind of a fan of like sports marketing and communication. I was an advanced placement art student in high school, and I was going to go to Maryland Institute of Art, but I found that I was really distracted with this passion for cycling and adventure. I was a little ADD too. So I just decided, hey, I'm going to try racing for a few years, see if it if I can do okay. And I started to do really well. I had my ups and downs, big challenges. I've had a, a career that definitely exceeded my wildest imaginations of, of traveled the world, won a couple national titles for cross-country mountain biking and, and marathon, Pan-American Games, and then later on got into long-distance mountain bike race, racing with Topeak Ergon and Canyon Factory Racing, racing Cape Epic, Transalp, a lot of these adventure-oriented races, which I really loved. I loved the um, you know the sort of adventure travel aspect of it. And then some of the teams that we were on, you know, did a better job than others of getting the message out, getting the story out. And lucky for me, I was part of a documentary called Off-Road to Athens, which was... When based, was this? Jeez, that was like based around the 2000s, I think it was like 2006 time period. Okay. Pursuit That's of why movie. I didn't see it because I had a baby and a toddler at that time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll send you a DVD. It's, Please. Um, I'm a I don't know that I have anything to like, play that on. <laughs> I was so young. I was I was like rookie of the year and traveling the world. No idea what I was doing. Well, Dave like, Weens must have been on your team at that point. Uh, that was way before I was on Topeka Ergon. I was racing okay. for Trek Volkswagen. It was right oh, at the awesome. tail end of, yeah. So um, Travis Brown. My neighbor. Sue Haywood. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was really kind of a wild time. In mountain biking, but mm -hmm. you know we we see these ebbs and flows, dips and peaks for interest in different areas of cycling. But I think exposure to that filmmaking process and the storytelling 
was formative in some of my um, later projects and then ultimately in the impossible routes. So right. I've always had kind of an interest in the creative side of it, but I didn't really know how to do it, what to talk about. And so, yeah, I kind of got a little lost in that for a little bit and just, you know, kind of would make sure I was always posting videos on Facebook and stuff like that, but I didn't take it seriously. It was sort of an after thought, mm -hmm. uh, that creative side and photography side. But then, you know, really, I think with the impossible route itself, I had actually pitched a documentary to Canyon. It's called All Time High, which was... So before you get into this, how long have you been with Canyon? Jeez, uh, uh, eight years. So several years before they were... In America. In America. Yeah, That's I was, awesome. I was one of the guys, um, yes, on Dave Ween's team, who mm -hmm. yeah, people would ask, hey, where do I get the bike? And I'm like, well, sorry, they don't sell them in the United States. And my, have we come a long way since. Yes, you have. I mean, <laughs> You've seen fire and rain. <laughs> it's really wild. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Totally. Yeah. No, 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 no worries. So, so I do a, quite a bit. I did, um, you know, a bit of this, uh, you know, obviously racing, but then I also worked with Blair Clark, uh, Canyon CEO on some of their needs for events. Um, you know, Drew was also kind of co-piloting Canyon's North American seedling effort. And, um, you know, I knew Roman Arnold a little bit and his brother, Frank Arnold, who runs Ergon, because we were Topeak, Ergon and Road Canyon bikes. And yeah, it was really, really interesting. And, and they certainly turned the industry on its head with uh, direct consumer um, style. But I think more importantly than that, uh, it really kept true to their passion for cycling. And, and really speaking their customers' language when it comes to you know, giving people the tools that they need to go out and do awesome stuff, you know, get back in shape, go on big adventures, chase their first triathlon. And so as the story kind of evolves, I've taken different roles. But one of the things uh, I, I kind of jumped off of was uh, that sort of initial pitch to do an adventure documentary but I really didn't have a lot of the tools in place. And I think, you know, they were maybe a little uncertain if it was worth sinking money into, you know, this documentary about this, you know, uh, twilight year pro who wants to go and do a crazy expedition and climb the world's biggest cycling hill climb. But then I kept that in the back burner. You know, I was doing Canyon's demo and expo tour, doing appearances, doing races still. But yeah, it, it sort of came back. You know, we had this uh, trip to Hawaii, family trip. And, you know, I remember thinking, man, that's that's one of the world's biggest hill climbs. It might not be the biggest. I think I found a bigger one in uh, that Tenkama region of Chile, uh, incidentally. But we went and I invited the vegan cyclist who's got a, a rabid following on social media, love or hate him. Tyler like, Pierce. Yes, Tyler Pierce is hilarious. He's self-loathing. He's comical. He's very relatable. And yeah, I he's awesome. It, yeah, and then camera presence is important for this stuff. It's uh, you know, it's one of those things where you know, in my side, I had a lot of experience being in front of the camera, being extra for a few film projects, commercials, stuff like that, and so pretty comfortable in the camera. And I think that combined with Tyler, I mean, in social media. Like that's what you're doing. I mean, you're you have basically five seconds to get people's attention on an Instagram story or TikTok. Like you have very little time. 
So you have to be able to capture people's attention or have a good editing. Anyway, so he's got a lot of skills that I did not have. And I said, hey, well, if I invite him along and it'll be a win-win, he doesn't know a damn thing about expedition planning, logistics, survival, and, and really the mental side of ultra endurance. So I was like, hey, we'll, we'll check it out. I also when had was, Tell me when this was. Hold on. I have to help the audience follow along here. 2019. Okay. Right at the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. Uh, I hadn't even gotten budget approval from Canyon. I just said, I'm putting this on the credit card. I'm doing it. I don't care. We'll just see if they want to support it after we produce it. And it was one of those things, kind of a leap of faith, you know, but if you really believe in something, it's it's a lot easier to just say. Which was the first happen. one, Jeremiah? What was the first? So that one? was the first one. What uh, was Mauna Kea. Mauna Kea, okay. That's the namesake of the impossible route, the actual route that we did. So to, to bring the, the viewers up to speed, we went to Hawaii. I talked with our guide and local expert, Alex Candelario about you know doing this east approach of Mauna Kea. It's a 14,000 foot hill climb from sea level to the top of this majestic volcano. And he said, well, I mean, that's pretty cool, but it's been done before. You guys should do the impossible route. And my eyes lit up. I'm like, okay, what is that? <laughs> and that's where we got the idea. There were some people planning on coming back in a couple months to do it. You know, Barry Wicks, one of my former colleagues and national champion. And uh, there were some other people in the hunt to do it first. Someone had failed just a few months earlier, ran out of water. I don't know what happened. But the name combined with the fact that, uh, you know, it was conceivably possible uh, really became our, really became the template, but also the namesake of the series. I love it. That's awesome. And so just bring us through the ride. Like that was the pandemic. Like everybody was all about content. You couldn't really travel, but like, how did you keep this going? It's like a fledgling thing that you needed to feed and nurture. Like, how did you build it through the pandemic? Well, what happened was we were we were right on the beginning, right on the front edge of it. It was really, uh, it was, I think, February of 2019. So it was right before things blew up in the U.S., and so we sat on the footage for a bit, edited it, produced the episode, and it came out during the summer, during the peak of lockdown. People loved it. Uh, half a million views. Uh, it was really cool. We set up a separate channel on uh, Instagram for you know sharing kind of the, the content, and it was successful. During the first year of the pandemic, though, we were definitely kind of you know reluctant to go and film an episode, so we. We definitely had to think about it and take some risks on, okay, well, we wanted to make sure to be able to produce an episode, but be able to do something that we could uh, do that's contained. And so Tyler and I and the crew, we all pre-tested and uh, arrived in Death Valley to film our next episode, which was really incredible. Seven days across basically one of the most hostile environments uh, in the world. We started near the Mexico border and rode all the way across uh, Mojave, Death Valley, Titus Canyon, uh, up to Bishop, California on the east of, east side of the Sierra. It's a fantastic episode. It is. There was so much challenge to filming it. I definitely got some gray hairs with like 
you know, if one, one of us got COVID and brought it to our RV, you know, that we were basing this stuff out of, it would have just, you know, been a disaster because we have kind of one go at it. We're a very low budget as far as filming anything is concerned. But that's what I, I like that though. I like that there, you don't like retake stuff. It is literally just, if you guys haven't seen it, it is literally like you're listening to a story as if you're just like my brother or my friend telling me like you just got back and you're like, and I think this is what we used to do with slideshows back in the day. But now you're like creating a video that is nicely produced for sure. But it really feels like a true story. Like it isn't produced. You know what I mean? It's actually happening as you're watching it. And I think that's one of the things that is so compelling and so sticky about it. Thank you. Well, I think the obstacle is the way in this example because we didn't have a lot of budget and and I've I've you know I've worked with some larger projects that have the big fancy cameras and the booms and but I mean we we wouldn't have been able to get permits to do that in the national forest or in the sections that we filmed in you know the the national parks it wouldn't wouldn't happen for one but then also by virtue of this hybrid style filming it makes you feel like you're kind of on a Zoom chat or on a, you know, a FaceTime call, mm-hmm. you know, because we go from a cinematic, fantastic drone shot in the areas where we can shoot some panning cinematic shots, some, you know, really cool artistic shots. But then we're like talking to the camera and, you know, Tyler's begging me for food and water or I'm trying to coach him to keep on going or, you know, these real like gritty moments. And I, I think we kind of just stumbled on that. It was really, really just one of those things we discovered people liked it. Yep. Ran with it. Yep. And this is, it's long form content. It's very real. It's very gritty, but it's well-produced. And I think you do a good job representing your brands in a very uh, subversive way. It feels natural. So I just love it as a cyclist. I love it. But as a person who does brand and marketing for a living, I think it's, it's really great. It's very well done. We have to so, thank Canyon for having like they said, "Hey, we we don't need this to be a Canyon commercial. Like we don't need to be. Oh, this is the latest new SLX carbon, or you need these, uh, you know, awesome DT wheels." I honestly think we don't say the word Canyon in the episodes. I don't think we do. I don't think you do either. You definitely don't get into like. This is the most compliant mountain bike I've ever ridden. Like I would literally turn it off if you did. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of one of those things um, that we bring people along on a journey. You know, we invite people to come ride with us and encounter these crazy things. And I think it, it really allows people to feel a connection with the content, with our choice of equipment. We do dive into equipment. In fact, I'm working on a bike feature which uh, is just going to be, you know, going into our gear and tech and some of our selection for the routes. People are genuinely curious about Yeah, for that. sure. The way that you're kidding out your bike and everything, depending like the one you did in France recently versus the one you did in my backyard in the San Juans, like that would be two very different kits. Plus you had to ship everything international. Like I would be curious to watch that separate from an actual ep- episode. Right. Yeah as, like a, yeah. as bonus content or whatever. Exactly. We're working on some behind the scenes episodes. And I think, What's neat is we've got so much stuff on the cutting room floor. These funny stories, you know, like uh, Ben Saheb, who you may know, the videographer from Colorado. You know, we had this one uh, sort of scene where he's flying the drone and, you know, we're 
we're kind of like, all right, well, we've got this uh, really beautiful drone shot goes over this stone bridge. Um, he's flying the drone, and then oh, you just hear this, <laughs> and the drone crashes into the bridge. So we have no drone for the entire rest of the trip. He must have been so bummed. Oh, we were ready to cry. Um, <laughs> we thought we had lost the SD card because the actual footage is more important to us than the, the drone. drone. <laughs> but we got the all the footage, so we were okay. still good. You know, all these crazy production things, I would have never dreamed about that we have to anticipate, you know, everything from lost footage to bad weather to um, part of the crew calling in sick. Uh, of course, safety, things like that are all, all super important. It's a lot of hats to wear, but but I think um, to step back to your point, we've really been given some artistic license from Canyon, and I really appreciate that. I think it really allows us to help build community, help deliver on their promise of being, you know, welcoming their customers to a family and, and really be, feel a part of uh, something cool. And in that thread, we also do some really neat community-based things like our Strava challenges. So this spring, we did a Strava challenge with 150,000 participants. Holy uh, crap. Celebrating. Yeah, it was super <laughs> cool. So we've got a Strava club. Go check out the Impossible Route Strava club. And then we also, we have uh, we have had Zwift uh, group rides, things like that. We've had red carpet premieres, for instance, at Sea Otter and at the Belgian Waffle Ride San Diego. That was a really fun, uh, really fun time. And, you know, stickers and posters and stuff like that. And, yeah, we really get to have a good time with it and really try to um, close the loop. But um, in regards to what we do for the sponsors, it's it's um, we try to also really curate uh, some good, usable material for them. And if we've got some assets they can use, we, we send out a Google Drive with, you know, photos we have on our capture list, aside from, you know, some short reels and things like that, that are product specific. We actually have some detail shots of almost their bags that they can use on social. You'll see them reposting a lot of stuff that we've sent through. And for instance, uh, Orange Seal, we try to make sure that we get some really cool photos of us, you know, resealing our tires and things like that so that they can use on social. And, and so, you know, that really creates some value for them. And otherwise they need to hire a photographer or agency to, to get some right. of this. So Lifetime Sea Otter Classic Summit 2023 is joining Verity Brand Communications as our sponsor for this new year. The goal is to deliver the solutions and best-in-class resources presented to executives in the outdoor recreation industries at the summit to you every week on the Channel Mastery Podcast. And we couldn't be more excited to exceed your expectations on that goal every week. So at the summit earlier this year in April 2022, right before the Seattle Classic, we gathered over 200 executive leaders from the outdoor, bike, endurance, and vehicle-supported adventure markets for two days of business intelligence, specialty market resourcing, and peer networking. It was awesome because it happened right before the Sea Otter Classic, which literally had about 80,000 consumers there. And guess how many people camped at the Sea Otter for multiple nights? Almost 7,000. Okay, this is a, a very special consumer event. And to have this right before it is huge. We're going to share all the details on the 2023 Summit in a very uh, near-term episode here. And watch, uh, we'll be announcing things from a marketing standpoint, but I just wanted to make sure and thank Lifetime and Verde Brand Communications. Thank you so much. Let me ask you a few questions because obviously you're like 
you must be in planning. You just released a film, which we'll talk about here in a sec in terms of the France most recent episode. But as we're looking at 2023 with you and Tyler, and also with you working with Canyon, like are the platforms that you're choosing to work on and focus on changing at all with all of the crazy shenanigans that are going on with Meta and Twitter, et cetera, as we're in December of 2022? Like what's your thought on that? The channels that we use kind of evolve. And if you stay ahead of it, that's it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I think we're we're definitely it's definitely in flux right now for sure. Mm-hmm. As is cycling industry is in flux. It's kind yes, of a, it is. a COVID whiplash, if you want to call it that. But you know, when we look at our core community and our core cycling fans, like we need to take care of them because they they're they're right in the mainstream of our our customer band, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. Versus during COVID, we had all these new people and you know, we we're really just kind of reaching out to a lot of new people. And now we have added a lot of those people to our core constituency. And yeah, continuing to talk to them is going to be really important. I think where you see some drop off in Twitter, you see actually a really interesting ramp up in content on Strava. So Strava just integrated a video posting functionality. So when you do a Strava post, you can now up load short videos of like 15 seconds. And so I use these just like an Instagram story. So if you check out my Strava, you'll see I'm posting action videos of rolling down a gravel road. A lot of people don't really know how to use it yet, but hey, I just say, turn the camera on, you know, tell people where you're riding, what bike you're using, and a little bit of action, three little short clips. It's super cool. So while we we might have some people retracting from some platforms, you have other ones growing. Right. That is so smart. And I'm so glad you brought that up. And I, I also just think it's important to to point out just the chemistry between you and Tyler, because oftentimes like people will look at anything called the impossible route. And if they're into endurance, like that is an immediate, I'm interested in that the same way you were when the person in Hawaii was like, you should do this route. And you're like, of course I should. Right. Yeah. And so like, we want to feel like we can belong to that. And the thing that's so great about your dynamic, and I'm talking about this specifically for people who are like staffing and making selections on content next year, is it's not necessarily that you reflect exactly who Canyon's going after, okay? So oftentimes a brand will be like, okay, I need to really focus on where we're trying to grow this new segment with this consumer. And they'll actually show that, they'll cast that person and for the visual assets. What I love about the chemistry of you two is you're obviously like a vetted professional cyclist, but affable. You don't take yourself too seriously. And then Tyler just is a really amazing athlete, but he's just so like, <laughs> he's a perfect complement to you. Like he kind of keeps you laughing and, and more yeah. available, even though you have like your pedigree. And he's out there, he's amazing at what he does and the fact that he gets as far as he does, but he's just like, I can't finish this or whatever. Like, it's not a big deal to him. Or this most recent film where he's racing you at the beginning of this huge thing. I'm like, this dude's oh, burning matches. Like, 
crazy. And (laughs) so like watching your relationship develop and watching how he's growing as an athlete, like, and you're kind of growing as a creator, the way he kind of came into it. It's just been really fun to watch. And even though I I don't see myself in either one of you, because I'm obviously female or whatever, I feel like I can relate with parts of your personality. Like I either know people like you or you just are a fun fit. And I don't know. I just think that also is part of the reason why it works. And it's really important to spend time really looking at who you're casting and who's representing your brand. Yeah, I think that's a good observation for sure. Um, In this case, we've got enough time with the long format to get into our personalities and sort of, it's kind of a subplot really. Yes, it is. It so is. (laughs) I met Tyler at a demo event. So I was like the grunt driving the truck. He didn't know me from Joe. And I had the Canyon truck and I was setting up at Raspatitsa, this gravel event in Vermont, very early on in the whole thing. And he had a bike being shipped out and it didn't show up. So Uh here's this famous YouTuber comes strutting up. I don't know. I guess he expected me to know who he was. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) He's like, yo, dude, can I borrow a bike? You know, I'm going to, you know, post a video and get a lot of uh, viewers. It'll be really good. And like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm doing my good job here. I, I know if we get a bike under this guy, he's going to produce a good video. I'm not supposed to technically land out bikes for races, but it was kind of a different thing. It was kind of like a media bike, right? So kind of bend the rules a little bit. Lending this bike, he brings it back completely covered with dirt, posts this video. You know, it was all good, all good. And uh, but the video gets a lot of views. And then I make a little cameo in the video and there are people like commenting, like, you don't know who that is. What in the heck, dude? You know, <laughs> this, all this it. chatter. <laughs> and I am just chuckling, you know, because I like, well, I don't care. But then I get this phone call and he's like, hey, man, I just wanted to say I'm sorry. I, I totally I don't really follow mountain biking. And, you know, this like comment about like how, um, you know, if there's anything I can do to make it up to you, just let me know. And I was like, no, no, don't worry about it. I don't expect anybody to know who I am. But now that you mention it, how about you come to my grand fondo and do a video? And so we yeah. hung out, we had a good time. We had uh Porsche sponsored the event and we had some cars, you know, some display cars. So we got to drive cars around a little bit, ride bikes, nice. hung out for a couple of days. And it was fun. We're very different birds, to be honest. And Oh, I, I think we can all see that. <laughs> yes. I want to kill him half the time. And he wants to kill me the other half the time. <laughs> but then we somehow still have to get to the finish. So we kind of, you know, teamwork, you know, we put down the sword and just get to business trying to get to the finish and hug it out at the end. You know, it's kind of this funny, funny thing. But really, like that first episode, I wanted to kill him and leave him on top of that mountain. Like that was my goal <laughs> was make sure he gets enough video. But then, so it's been interesting. The rest of them, though, we've we've stuck together. Most of the episodes, I think we were kind of like on different pages with uh, Ryan Petrie, really phenomenal high altitude rider that joined us. Oh, yes. I know who he is. He's amazing. Really, really good. Natural. He was also on just really uh, stellar form at the time. And Tyler didn't acclimate, of course, because he's not. Because he's Tyler. He's Tyler. He's yes. Watch the video. (laughs) It will not need any further explaining. You'll completely get it. But yeah, it's it's a big part of uh, the kind of narrative of of what is maybe a little bit more dynamic than than I first set out to make it. And it's been it's been really fun. 
I've a ton of experience traveling to Europe racing for, you know, years. And I thought, man, it really would be funny to bring Tyler to Europe. Okay. Tell us. This is awesome. He shows up expecting everybody to speak English. Yay. (laughs) Which is exactly what you should do in France. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah. In any case, I, I almost feel like I need to apologize to the people of France. Uh, pardonnez-moi. <laughs> well, and you're in these tiny, beautiful little villages. They are not Paris where they hate not speaking French in Paris, but I think it's not even an option in these places you were. It's uh, less, yes, for yeah. sure. Once you get in the countryside, uh, it's it's less, there's much less English speaking going on. Yeah. if If you put in a little effort, uh, je parle un peu français, you know, uh, then they're like, uh, okay, you know, we'll help you out. You're trying, you know, and, but Tyler's just like no idea how to communicate. And I think it was really good for him in so many ways, just to understand how big the world is and to really get an appreciation of, of cycling culture. There is really different. It is everyone appreciates the Tour de France. Cycling is part of the national identity there. Yes. And so it's like American football or baseball. It's such this, uh, you know, there's this legend behind it. It's not just big. It's not just on TV. There's not just a lot of money, but there's there's legends behind it. And so I thought that was a part of what I wanted to write into the episode. So I create the episodes, write them and, and sort of, uh, you know, come up with the routes themselves. So that's been really interesting. This one was going out on a limb and I was kind of nervous, like, Hey, you know, can Tyler capture that much of the tour? Can we do it without having to pay ASO 50 or a hundred grand? And and I, I was bummed to see how much it was going to cost just to have a few seconds of the tour. Um, even the old tour, like from 10 years ago or five years ago. And I thought it was going to really put a dent in our episode because, well, you know, we're talking about the past, you know, we're doing this ride across France. In actuality, it's interesting because it allowed us to really focus on trying to recreate that experience that the riders had in the 1920s. Yep. And of course, everybody that wants to see the tour can watch this year's tour highlights. Very easy to find. So in in another, it was another scenario where really what was in our way became it was okay. It was okay to work within the confines of that. And Mm -hmm. it really allowed us to tell more of the story of that route, the terrain, the hardship. It was really neat, really special episode. I highly recommend it. We'll have links to everything in the show notes here today. So, but end to end, like how long did it take for you leaving your house and then getting home to do that episode in France? Two weeks. Okay. So that's manageable because you have a, a youngish family, you're married, like you must have a very understanding spouse. Mm, yeah. <laughs> for those of you not watching, he's nodding his head earnestly right now. <laughs> yes, for sure. It, it's it's one of those things. It's 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 a lot, but it's really for for me a compact shoot when we do the shoots. And I always, you know, try to get home as soon as I can. But then also, you know, we're trying to uh, keep costs down too. So it's actually, it's pretty good that we have this style. I think I, I kept thinking after we did our first episode, we need to go, we need to be pre-ride the routes, 
know all the challenges that'll come up, have little drop pins on our map for, you know, our Google map for the videographers, where to be and what shots to get. But to be honest, I think that takes some of the magic out of our reaction when we see this. Uh, Absolutely. I'm very happy to hear you say this. Don't ever do that. (laughs) Because I think it'll change the spirit and just the whole experience for us as your viewers. Like we love that you're just sending from, you know, you land there and you send and you do what you need to do in between. (laughs) It's it's, it's on our toes. We're definitely can. It's part of what makes it so difficult too. in, in rock climbing, what do they call it? Flashing, flashing a route. Mm -hmm. So rock climbing, you have a huge advantage if you know where the holds are and where, you know, your setup is, or, you know, I'm going to go right foot, right arm anyway, but flashing a route is like way challenging because you just don't know what it's going to be like. What's the rock going to feel like? What holds are you going to have? Will you be able to reach the next move? This is very much like that. Yeah. And we'll get to a section where there's like a road construction mm-hmm. and we're like, ah, what do we do? There's no bridge. Like literally the route was good last week. We get there <laughs> or walking through waist deep water, you know, hopping over a fence or whatever. And you know, now that I realize um, how much people like to watch a train wreck, it doesn't matter as long as we get it on camera. You know, I think it's, it's there are going to be things that are crazy, sideways, flat tires, crashes. But, but this is why you have this. This is why you have your sponsors. Like that's the stuff we can relate with. Like you don't have someone there fixing it for you. We want to, the gear either works or it doesn't. As I want to make sure that I'm kind of like steering you toward a couple of things I want to capture before we run out of time. But I I want you to go back to talking about your film premieres, because I love that you have this growing audience online. You're utilizing video. You're doing a great job with long form storytelling, but now you're also creating opportunities for people to gather and celebrate like new adventures being born. And I'm curious, you've done two. Is that something you plan to do more of? Were those successful? Do you think that's a key like attribute to your strategy for 2023? I think they're fantastic. Um, So for 2023, we want to do new places, new sports, new faces. So try to really just have more guests, possibly work with KOM King or uh, FKT King, Jason Hardraff. The guy's a nut. We met online and the guy's just, he's a fantastic cyclist. He happens to be a canyon rider. And he's a mountain running phenom. So we've got this idea for an episode. Not going to not gonna spoil it, but some neat ideas there. But back to sort of in-person activations is what the Canyon Marketing yeah. Team calls them. Not to throw around lingo, but... Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the language. You know, I think it's really fun to be able to interact with fans in person. I think it's fantastic. We kind of double down on those, though. So we had... The premiere, for example, at Sea Otter, at Stoker and Tandem Coffee, and we rented the place out. We've got these film premiere banners. We've got several. You'd like to see these. They're they're really cool, brightly colored. We have a graphic designer make them. We have all the sponsors on them. We have sponsor uh, stickers. We have our Impossible Route sticker collection. We've got uh, a group ride that we do, the Possible Route. So, so all of this, everybody who's listening, all of this are ways that we get to join in and be part of this when we're at these cycling events, which are our impossible routes. So, right. If you think about it that exactly. way, like the Leadville and the Lifetime 
portfolio, we work with a, a lot of the events there. And I started to do those before we even worked with them just one year, but then, you know, got to meet them and we ended up working with them, which has been an honor, but like, that's, they're all about that, the writer and the experience they have. And the fact that the, the family has to get the person ready, you know, look at the crew stations when you're at these events or the, the rest stops and everything else. Like that's where you see just like how big of a deal it is for these people <laughs> To either go back year after year and go after something or or choose that and have it be something super meaningful for them as a fundraiser. And I think that's one of the things that we love to watch about what you're creating and who you are as an athlete, frankly. Like you've done a lot of great things, but now you're kind of doing what we do at a very high level and you're bringing us all over the world as you're doing it. So it's almost like you're taking the spirit of what we love about our events that we sign up for and you're giving us content that like puts it in the context of just crazy places all over the world without a script and without rehearsal. And that feels really similar to what we're showing up for at 6 a.m. as we're starting these events. Like we have oh, no yeah. idea WTF is going to happen that day. Yes. And <laughs> yes, you're, you're spot on. The goosebumps and the uh, the butterflies in the stomach are real. Oh, yeah. Before our last episode, which I can talk about. So we filmed uh, Crossing the Dark Divide in Pacific Northwest, which is deep in Bigfoot territory, kind of between uh, Mount Hood, Mount St. Helens, and kind of Mount Rainier kind of corridor and massive trees. We had um, motocross and BMX ace Andrew Jackson join us, Canaan athlete from LA area. And uh, yeah, I was just so nervous. I was like, I don't know what's going to go wrong. Something <laughs> is going to go wrong. And sure enough, we had a videographer call in sick. Oh, no. Like two days before. All the flights booked. Sat phones booked. Helicopter booked. I was just like, okay, ready to rip up a whole bunch of checks. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out. It worked out. And luckily, we had uh, Seth Dubois join in, local videographer. Worked his butt off. It's fantastic. Danny Awang from uh, DC area who I've worked with on some, some local events and, and things. And, and we just sent it. We just did the yep. best we could. <laughs> and, uh, every time I think one of these episodes is just going to completely crater and fall into pieces. We have really just a amazing episode or a slightly different episode. They've either been good or great. I, I think in my eyes, because if they inspire people, make them want to go ride, want to stretch their comfort zone a little bit, then that's all I can ask for. You know, it's, it's right. really, you know, I don't care if it gets millions of views, although we have been getting millions of views somehow really my feeling of whether or not they're successful is whether or not they resonate with people and make them want to ride. Mm -hmm. Well, and keep in mind too, it, it's, it helps us feel part tethered to the community when we're not at our event, we can participate by watching yours throughout the year, support you all and just get entertainment from everything you're doing. So I just really want to thank you for, it's like, a, it, I don't think it was an accident. You've been training for this part of your career the entire time you've been an athlete and it's really coming to fruition beautifully. And I really hope you keep at it and keep like building it from your gut instinct because it's working. And I love how like, it, you don't seem like you have a lot of intentionality behind it, but I think because you're just a genuine person that it, it really is like a genuine vision that you're bringing to life. You just don't really see yourself as like a cinematographer, I could tell, 
but no. I could say you're masquerading pretty successfully as one. Thanks. I'm faking it like a pro. <laughs> yes. And yeah. I, I want you to just let Tyler know, like, he's such a great asset to this. I love his personality. His videos are great. The ones he does with you and the Impossible Road are my favorite. Like, you guys are just a great team. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, you know, it doesn't come without its difficulties and challenges and arguments and and realities. But, you know, I think when whenever you look at something worth doing, it's it's usually difficult. Like I know you did Leadville a couple of times. I'm sure you had like some injuries or setbacks coming into it. Oh, yeah. I didn't finish one time. So that was a pretty huge setback. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine. I mean, it makes when you do finish even better. But tell yeah. our um tell our awesome audience where we can learn more about Canyon, where we can find these episodes, like tell us how to follow you. Well, definitely check out the awesome bikes that we use at canyon.com. We have uh really by design rotated through the bikes. I don't most people won't notice this, but for someone that works in brand marketing, you'll actually notice that we rotate through the gra- the grail the grizzle the uh exceed for telluride and then the lux trail for our latest episode so we mm-hmm. quite by design you know we we can tweak the routes we can come up with so i work with the team and you know try to make sure we get a variety of different things so check out canyon.com and canyon on instagram a lot of really great fun inspirational posts and Canon also on YouTube. So we have some short versions of the episodes on YouTube. It's four o'clock. Um, and it's four o'clock. Um, <laughs> and we also have, um, yeah, the impossible route.com. So awesome. that's a great portal. If you want to see the whole collection of videos and we've got some great articles on Radivist and things like that linked on there. And you can check me out on uh, Instagram and Strava, of course. Uh, please join that Strava club and stay tuned. That's why you hear about some of our contests and promotions. And you'll also see us on Outside Plus streaming and Outside Cable Network for next year. So we just got an agreement with them to air season two. Awesome. Congratulations. That's really a big, big news right there. Yeah, it's super exciting. I'm really pumped. And it's going to be fun just to see, you know, how it evolves and, you know, kind of keep it keep the style the same. I think the style is cool. I think it's really um, organic. It's fun. And then we'll have, you know, obviously new challenges and and keep us on our toes. Yep, for sure. Well, thank you again. Um, I really appreciate you joining us and we'll be cheering along all of the routes to come and I will have all the links in the show notes. So thank you so much for being here, Jeremiah. Thanks, Kristen. Really appreciate you having me on. If you liked this episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast, please help more business leaders find this resource by going to iTunes and leaving us a positive review and also sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Verde Brand Communications for being our presenting sponsor. Check us out at verdepr.com.